Welcome to the Love Hub Adventure Podcast, where we talk about the marriage relationship, intimacy, and marriage, and how you can go deeper with your spouse. And today we're so excited we have guests on. Um, we have Eric and Kate from the Evolve Marriage. Is it a podcast and blog? Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so uh, we have the Evolve Marriage Podcast. Uh, we really just have a brand where we help couples take action and evolve their marriages in a way that's fun because we don't believe that growth has to be a drag all the time. So oh, yeah, you can check us out on our podcast, Evolve Marriage Podcast, but our brand is Evolve Marriage. That's is awesome. That .com? Evolve that's our website. Com? Yeah, awesome. everything we do. Yeah, uh, on EvolveMarriage.com and we're on Instagram and all that fun stuff. We just uh, try to connect as much with our audience. <laughs> Very cool. Well, guys, tell us a little bit about yourselves. How long have you been married? Do you have kids? Where do you live? That kind of stuff. For sure. Yeah. Thanks for asking. Um, so we've been together, we've been in a relationship for 18 years. Kate and I, uh, Kate was in high school. I was in college and uh, we've been married for nine years. Longer than we've been apart. Yeah. It'll be nine years actually in six <laughs> days. Uh, yeah. But yeah, we've been together longer than wow. we haven't been together. Oh, yeah. So we're excited. Celebrate our anniversary. Um, and we have two young kids. Uh, we have a seven-year-old son and a five-year-old daughter. Uh, our daughter is the, the CEO of our house, uh, which is great. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, Wait, you know, our real story- Real quick, I'm trying, to do the, I'm trying to do the math. Is it Valentine's Day, the anniversary? Or two days it, after Valentine's Day. Two days after. Day. Day. Okay, 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 okay. February 16th. I was like, we're really close. I don't know, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, our story, you know, we, we got together when we were young. I think we both grew up in homes where it was all about checking the boxes for life, right? You go to school, you get a job, you get the dog, you get an apartment, you buy a house, you have kids. And so I think Kate and I were both kind of on this fast track plan for life. And I think when we had kids, uh, things kind of changed. Uh, we started to struggle. Our connection started to struggle. I think we lost a bit of ourselves. Uh, I dove much deeper into work. Uh, I found a lot of my value in, uh, in achieving at work. I was also in the restaurant industry, so you know I would find a lot of <laughs> solace at, at the bottom of a bottle. I had a lot of troubles with alcoholism, which was really impacting our marriage. And I think Kate was, you know, for a long time, probably felt like a single mother in our relationship. You know, taking care of kids at home, uh, really with just a, a husband who was just overworking. Just really, if I, well, as we look back, I think I was really struggling with my identity of being a father and the value I could offer. So there was a lot of disconnection. Um, and probably about, I guess, four years ago now, uh, we were ready to call it quits. Um, a lot wow. of people in our lives, you know, including our parents, you know, they had nothing but love for us, but they were encouraging us. It's probably best to get separated, to call, call this, you know, you guys have tried it, but it's not working. And I remember there was a moment where we decided, hey, let's give this one last go and let's really see where this takes us. Um, so we got a lot of support, uh, we got coaches, we got therapy, we got our personal therapy. And ever since then, we've been on this journey. And I think probably about two and a half years ago, we realized that a lot of the things that we had struggled with and that we were improving upon in our marriage, uh, a lot of other couples were facing. So we really wanted to get our message out there wow. and help other couples realize that, you know, great marriages, you know, they're totally worth it, but that sometimes it can feel a bit messy and no matter where you're at, there's always an opportunity to create more connection and to go deeper. Yeah. And Eric uh, just got his certification in uh, coaching. So he now coaches oh, wow. men That's right, um, yeah. to help them, um, you know, 
become great with their intimacy and in the relationship and just become, you know, the best versions of themselves as husbands. And uh, I'm a teacher, a <laughs> full-time teacher oh, wow. in elementary school. So I teach uh, grade one. I've been doing it for years. So my niche is definitely around kids and family and those things, but definitely took a lot. I, I learned a lot from our journey and I love mm -hmm. uh, sharing that, that as well with other couples. Yeah, and I think more than anything, we realize we're still learning all the time. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, and I think this is what uh, sometimes we have couples talk to us and be like, oh my God, you guys have it so figured out. And we kind of joke, we're like, well, we're glad it looks that way. Because <laughs> <laughs> sometimes behind closed doors, uh, you're, you're it can duck, still right? feel a bit messy. Yeah, 100%, right? And so that's really the message we try to tell people. We try to be open and authentic that like, we don't have it all figured out. You know, we, we love to use the line like new levels, new devils in the terms of like, we're always going to face challenges. Oh, yeah. Wow. And yeah that's actually what we choose to live. You know, sometimes when we feel overwhelmed and we feel like we're struggling, we remind ourselves like, this is the life we chose to live. These, this is what we want to do because we could just have it easy. We could have chose just to kind of go out and do it alone, but instead we decide to stay together and continue to grow. And uh, we get to do that every day together. Mm -hmm. It's been a ride. Love it. Yeah. Loving it. And you know, marriage uh, is a challenge. It's not easy. And uh, the thing that I, I I don't remember where I first heard it, but I heard somebody say, you know, divorce is hard and marriage is hard. So just like pick, pick your heart, pick which one, you know, like y'all mm -hmm. could have chosen yeah. that and y'all could have gone your separate ways. That would not have ended things. It just yeah. would have changed it. And, and so, um, pick your heart, which one, which yeah. difficult challenge do you want to try and tackle? Mm -hmm. You know, Absolutely. what's interesting about what you're saying, and I love this is, you know, my mom and dad, I love them and they're an amazing couple and have like invested in us a lot and everything. But one thing I'll say, and they're in their seventies is that they still fight, um, about actually many of the same things that they've been fighting about <laughs> since I was a kid. Uh, but mm -hmm. they are such an amazing couple. And I think the hope that that gave to me is that it normalized that you will never like be smooth sailing with your spouse. Oh, yeah. And that if you don't like continually put in the work and I'm not talking about like some sort of maintenance here, I'm talking about, you got to like really be doing it. Like you're going to the gym, um, if you don't do that, then it takes nothing for the relationship to start getting messed up. It's kind of like, you know, when you're in your forties and you've been eating healthy for a year and then one week, you're like, I'm going to binge on this. And you put on 10 pounds. That's pretty much what it's like. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I love that you guys have like overcome a lot of that. So like in your, in your marriage, what do you think was sort of the, the reason that you guys like had that breaking point? Like what day did you wake up and go, no, we can do this better? Oof. You want to take it? Go, go ahead. I'm, I'm okay. still thinking about it. Yeah. So I think for, for <laughs> I, us, I've got like, there's a lot, <laughs> a yeah. lot of moments. I think, I think there was a couple things, you know, I think one of the biggest factors for us was our kids. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I came from a home where my parents were divorced uh, Kate's parents are still together. They've been together for a long time, but again, right? Like there, there's some conflict in every relationship. So for us, we really started to think about, you know, I, I hate to say it this way, but this idea of breaking the cycle in terms of like, how do we model a healthy marriage for our kids? And maybe it's something that's bigger than us. And it's about legacy and it's about generations, right? Where the choices we're making today in our marriage and the foundation we set will actually probably impact our great grandkids. Right, mm -hmm. because it's going to impact the way that our that our kids are with their spouses, that then they model for their, 
And so that's one way that we start to think about it was, you know, it's up to us whether or not we want to model this for our kids and create this environment. Yeah, I just like the way I was showing up and showing my daughter that, you know, it's okay to be treated by your husband this way. And, and it's okay to be walked all over and it's okay to not express yourself. Like this is, this is what I was modeling for my daughter. And I wasn't proud of that, but at the same time, you know, we were modeling to our son that this is a way to speak to your wife. And this is a way to speak to people in general. And, and that wasn't okay with us either. It wasn't sitting right. So it's definitely like, yeah, I would say our kids were like, the, the big, big driving factor there. Yeah. And I think another thing that really stuck for me, and I don't know about you, Kate, but one of the biggest realizations for me, which I think made me kind of stick around and really work at this together was that a lot of the issues that I was facing, you know, within myself, a lot of my core conflicts that I was going through are things I would have to face anyways. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Like I would have to, like a lot of what was happening is Kate was just reflecting a lot of some of my deep pain, right? She was doing things and was triggering within me some things. And so we could either work together and help each other heal and help each other kind of go through this. And I remember somebody told me this line where it was, maybe you're exactly where you have to be right now, right? Maybe you and Kate met for a reason and it was to heal a lot of the things that you had experienced as a kid and that this is the person for you. Mm -hmm. And that really started to put things into light of like, you know what, I'm going to have to face this anyways, right? I could jump into another relationship. I could have a great five, 10 years. But then again, I'm probably going to be the exact same place. The exact if I don't same face problems, this. yeah. The exact same problems are going to show up. The exact same um, insecurities are going to show up, and then we're going to start having the exact same arguments with another person. So there's definitely, yeah, that was definitely another driving factor. And I think that's kind of a big thing of like, you know, I I chose, and I think we both chose to have the courage to face this mm -hmm. and say, hey, you know what, we we can both do things differently. And yes, it might be uncomfortable, but the reality is, is keeping our family together and modeling this for our kids and working through this, you know, I, I love that old line, like the only way around is through, mm. you know, is more important than avoiding this and running away from it. Mm -hmm. And so I think that was a big reason why we decided to really go down this path. And like always, you know, after you start to take a few steps and, and you start to walk a few miles, you realize like, huh, this is actually kind of getting easier. You know what I mean? It's like the snowball mm -hmm. effect where you're like, okay, starting, cool. The rhythm is getting there. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so we started to see small wins in our life. We started to create space in our yeah, marriage to heal. We could see the light at the end of the tunnel. And I remember that moment distinctly of like, we had a conversation on the couch. And for the first time, I like opened up about my insecurities and how much our past had hurt us. And I was very honest about it. And it was like, the first time in ever that I ever opened up that much about it. And after that day, after sitting with him and telling him, you know, how much I was hurt by the things he's done and how much I'm still holding on to it and how I'm having trouble forgiving him for it. And I was finally able to start forgiving him and start right. moving forward and start opening up to this relationship and the possibility of this being forever. So, um, yeah, that was a huge moment for us. And I think since then we've seen the light at the end of the tunnel and we're like, okay, you know, there is hope for this. There is hope for us. Um, we're not doomed, you know, there, with the, the word divorce was finally off the table and we mm. were able to finally continue uh, start dreaming about our future instead of fearing right. divorce. Mm -hmm. yeah.
Man, that is so tough because, um, and, and then there's a lot of couples who get in that position where they just want to blame it on the other person and never really evaluate where they are internally, personally wrecking their marriage as well. Mm-hmm. And I love that you guys were like, okay, well, look, we both have this thing. And, you know, one encouragement is that it's really important that we give our kids and each other the freedom to tell other people how they can treat us and how to respond to us. It doesn't mean the other person is bad or wrong, but it does mean that for me to be healthy, I need you to treat me in certain ways. And you, if you want to treat other people that way, that's your business with them. But with me, this is how we do it. So that's probably very empowering to your kids even to mm-hmm. see Like, hey, we get to do this. And I remember my parents just giving me a lot of permission. Like they talked to me a lot about sex while I was a teenager, before I got married and everything. And they told me, they said, you tell your husband if he's hurting you. You tell your husband if he's like doing something that makes you feel uncomfortable. And I think giving yourself that permission and your kids that permission is the way to break that generational curse you're not like perpetuating it by making them think they just have to be okay with what their, their significant other does. And, and couples that don't make those healthy boundaries, they don't end up lasting because, you know, they don't have the boundaries for it. So let me ask you guys, how did, um, how did like all of this stuff affect your sex life during that time where you guys like, okay, we're not having sex because things are a wreck. We are going to have sex, even though things are a wreck. Like what was your take on that? Honestly, we were still having sex, even though things were a wreck, but it was the most disconnecting sex. Looking back now at our sex life, um, you know, we, we would pat each other on the back and say, you know, oh man, we're having a lot of sex. Like we, you know, we'd say, you know, oh, we, we have sex like three, four times a week. Like we're like on top of the sex game, like we're doing good. But when we really look back at it and in that moment when we would look at sex it was very disconnecting for me having sex was about checking a box was about shutting eric up and giving him what he needed as a man because that's how i was raised to to not raised by my parents but raised by my friends in society you know like growing up as a teenager i learned that the girl was there to please her man and the girl would have sex to please her man and her job in sex her role in sex was to be the sexiest porn star she could be and so my job at sex before in our marriage was to please eric and have sex for him yeah and i think a big part of what was happening too and why it was so dysfunctional was we were having sex for different reasons Mm -hmm. and neither of of us had the reason of doing it to be more connected (laughs) And so wow. Kate yeah. was, I think, utilizing sex in order to really kind of temper my anger a lot. You know, what she realized was like, well, if I just give Eric sex every now and then, it keeps him calm and it keeps him good and he can just go back to work and essentially shut up. Stop bothering me. Right, exactly, right? <laughs> and especially when we have kids, like she's saying, it was just a, kind of this checkbox mentality. Like, hey, here, I'll give you what you want. Just be quiet. And right. I think for me, I was really looking towards taking the edge off, right? And using our sexuality as, hey, this is a way that I can just release, which is great. You know, I go to work and then at night I just turn over and and we kind of have sex and Kate provides this for me. And so I think what was happening is the reason it was so dysfunctional is because we didn't really understand like how sex could really create a better relationship. And instead it was really being used as this tool, you know, certainly sexual intercourse was being used as this tool to just solve a problem for us, right? Mm -hmm. Kate to try to prevent her husband from getting angry and well, probably the same reason, 
me get, taking the edge off and yeah. just stop being angry. Right? And, yeah, and it was and giving us masking a problem rather than actually addressing a problem. Hundred exactly. percent. Yeah, and was giving some us validation that I was looking for. <laughs> yeah, as well. I was just about to say, giving us this false validation of like, mm -hmm. I'm a good wife, you're a good husband because we have sex. You know, and good you couples check, have you sex. Check the boxes and right, yeah, like the things. Yeah. Happy couples have sex. We're a happy couple. We're having sex, so it's checked. Like we don't have any problems. We have sex. Like. So it was, it was very disconnecting and it, it was very, you know, we, we always talk about how our sex evolved with time, mm -hmm. how, how we went from having sex that way, where we had, you know, sex many times a week, because, you know, we, we, we put it on the calendar, we schedule, we make sure we'd had sex, you know, often, but then realizing like it wasn't connecting. So hmm. how, what, what can we do to make it more connecting? And then we evolved our sex from there and then it evolved again, you know? Let me ask something because um, you've used a, a word kind of interestingly, like what I thought you were going to say was, it was, you were having frequent sex, but there was no connection happening. But what you said was it was so disconnecting, which sounds like it was, it, it, it not only wasn't, bringing you closer was it pushing you apart is that oh, what yes. you're saying there it was wow. pushing us apart wow. because i would i would stop having sex like not stop having sex eric would have an orgasm and then i would sometimes have an orgasm and then i'd like walk away from sex feeling like used feeling yeah. like so unfulfilled like it was very transactional what did i get out of this yeah it was yeah. very transactional yeah. so then there was this sense of resentment growing inside of me yeah. of like wow. i'm doing this for him and i'm continuously doing this for him what the heck is he doing for me right so and, like great sex connects a couple uh mediocre or 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 not great sex is meh there's no connection you're saying mm -hmm. it was actually harming the relationship. Like it was disconnecting. It was pushing apart and, and causing more right. damage in the relationship. And wow. it was, and the sex itself was good. It felt good in the moment. We felt good, but immediately sure. after we felt disgusting. We felt right. like, wow. Yeah. 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 Like, why did I do that? You know, this is one thing I always tell couples is that you should do the best you can to limit negative sexual interaction. Yeah. So mm -hmm. don't just have sex for the sake of having sex. Cause everyone says you're supposed to, if you walk away feeling used, yeah. dirty, whatever, like you're describing, quit it, just stop. Yes. I think that that actually just ends up causing you to damage the marriage and relationship more because now you feel your body is being used. Never mind, You're not in a great relationship. Yeah. Now you're just like a, an object. And I, I don't know. But like when you guys look back, though, do you think to yourself we should have had less sex or do you think there was any part of it that was helpful for the marriage? You know, I, I don't know. I, I guess from my perspective, we don't necessarily look back and think we should have done anything different. Mm -hmm. I, I think I don't know if we would be where we're at. Like it's even the same thing, like when we get in conflict or when things happen that could be seen as negative, we always look back and think about, OK, well, there's a reason that happened. Right. I don't think we really would have came to this place of sexual evolution of Kate really feeling empowered to say, this is what I want. And I'm actually going to focus on my pleasure and I need to provide for myself during our sexuality. And I probably wouldn't have gotten out of some bad tendencies if we didn't go down this rabbit hole right. of, you know, how do we check a box? How do we have efficient sex? You know, one of the things that we always say align, which we love is you have the life you're willing to put up with. And sometimes it has mm -hmm. to get so bad that it's like, okay, this is it. 
like it's over. And so sometimes we look at those moments like, oh, I wish I wouldn't have done that. But I think for us, it's like, that's often the start of the solution mm-hmm. is to go down this rabbit hole and realize like, you know what, enough's enough. Like I've had enough yeah. of this. And I think that's where Kate and I were both were with our relationship. Or you're just like, I'm done having sex with you and feeling more disconnected. Like, you know, when Kate talks about feeling disconnected, our sexuality was an affirmation of an unhealthy relationship. So what we realized is as we were having sex together, it was just an, oh, right. Here's another reminder of how disconnected we are is even when our bodies are touching, even when there's penetration, we still feel disconnected. There's no connection. Wow. Right. And I think that's where the disconnection came. It was this affirmation of this deep core fear, but belief that we had of our marriage of this is over. Like this is over. There's nothing left. Mm -hmm. And I think that really woke us up to saying, well, if we want to create something out of it, we have to do something different. And this is when we talk a lot of coaching clients, you know, people are constantly stuck and, and that's where we were. And I think he was just at a point like, you know what, what's the worst that's going to happen? I can't get any worse than it is now. Exactly. So why don't I just try to be open on us, try to be honest, you know, even what you're talking about, Keely, this idea of like no more bad sex. Oftentimes when we say that people are like, yeah, I'm going to go tell my wife. And I'm like, no, that's up to you to hold that boundary up for yourself <laughs> yeah. and say, hey, I, this is causing me pain actually. And th- this position is, I don't like it and I need more lube or like whatever. Okay. So we're just talking about, you know, no more bad sex. And I think you were like starting to explain to us what you try to counsel people. Cause you were saying, so you counsel men on their sexuality. Is that right, Eric? That's and right. you're telling yeah, that's them part. no more bad sex. So what is the issues that you see with your, the men that come to you and the sexual situations they're dealing with? Well, I, I think for us, a big part of what changed our sex life and what I often counsel men is you need to really own your own sexuality, right? So one of the big things that was happening in my marriage, even as we were evolving, was that I was so concerned about Kate's pleasure during sex. So the, the way that we kind of say it is, you know, it's like Kate was having sex, but really all the onus was on her. She wasn't having sex with a person, right? Another individual human being that was enjoying it. She was having sex with somebody that was trying to cater to her needs. And I think a lot of men do this often. And for me, yeah, I would say that's going down the rabbit hole of bad sex in terms of it's my responsibility to own my own sexuality during sex. And it's Kate's responsibility to hold on to herself and own her own sexuality. And so that can only come with being open and honest about what feels good, what doesn't feel good. And not only speaking about it, if that's the case, but really doing something about it, doing something different. So what we say all the time, some of the best sex we have now is when I am focused on my own pleasure And Kate is focused on her own pleasure, knowing, because we trust each other now, that if something's not going well for either of us, we speak up, Mm -hmm. right? We're not going to like continue like, oh, this is not, I'm not really enjoying this at all, but Eric seems to be liking it. So I'll just continue to do this. Like, no, a hundred percent no. Yeah. And that trust factor, it takes away that need to check in all the time. Is he liking this? Are you liking this? Is this good for you? Did you have good sex? Was that good for you? It takes that away because... You trust that during the act, while it's happening, if it's not feeling good for him, he'll either say something, change positions, take me in his arms and flip me around, (laughs) whatever need be. But it's not, he's not going to continue doing something that doesn't bring him pleasure. 
if it's not and and then and then we don't have to wonder was that good are you enjoying right. this? that good you know yeah. that, i think that it helps you probably like i don't know if you're so worried about pleasing the other person i think it is harder to feel the sexual pleasure yourself because now mm-hmm. you go into like caretaking mode hmm. exactly it's very hard to take care of yourself while taking care of someone else yeah right yeah and i think a lot about kind of just kind of putting a cap on this is is when I was in those moments, what I compare it to is there's a lot of boy energy, right? When I'm checking in with Kate and I want her to have pleasure, a lot of that comes from, am I good? Like, am I doing well? Am I a good husband? Am I pleasing you? Are you? And what I say to men all the time, it's, it's my responsibility to self-validate myself. I don't, I don't necessarily need in that moment for Kate to say you're good in order for me to feel good. Mm-hmm. I need to own that. And yeah. what that does is, you know, then Kate, in the moment is like, oh my God, I got to tell him all the time that I'm feeling good, that this is good. And I, you know, we say it all the time, like even some couples, it's so like the pressure. woman has, yeah, the woman has to orgasm in order for the man to feel value. Right. And it's or, like, no. Or that idea of like having to show up like a porn star, you know, having to make all of the noise and all of the movements and all of the porn yeah. star stuff. It's like, that takes away from my own pleasure because I'm so concentrating on putting on this show for Eric to show him like, I'm enjoying this. And it's like, it's no, like I'm I'm enjoying it. I don't have to scream to let you know. (laughs) I had a reader write in and tell me that she, her husband just didn't want her to use lubrication. And this is an older person, maybe in her sixties. And uh, she's just like, yeah, he just really doesn't want me to use lube and that kind of like kills it for him. And I'm like, okay, I'm sorry, but stop having sex if he won't use lube because it's obviously Mm -hmm. hurting you and people in their 20s use lube. It's not about his ability to bring you sexual arousal. And so anytime a man feels threatened by that, it causes the woman to have a negative, bad sexual experience. Yeah, Mm -hmm. That's right. And it really becomes about, you know, what we say all the time is comes about, it becomes about ego, right? And not to, because I was there as well, exactly what you're talking about, right? Like, well, does Kate using lube mean that I'm not pleasuring her or stimulating her in the right way? Does that mean something about me? Instead of just saying like, Kate is going to do whatever feels good to her. If that means wrapping herself up in tinfoil while we do it, great. You know, like whatever works for you, it's okay. Yeah, that sounds it, like it would feel work. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's all crackly. I'm and, kidding, I'm kidding. But I do think that, that this the is what happens method, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> right, like <laughs> in sexuality, oftentimes when we were having bad sex, it was focused on, you know, inflating my own ego as a man. And that was very dysfunctional in our sex life. Mm-hmm. So I think oftentimes now I coach men to move away from that own your own sexual pleasure and allow your wife the freedom to own her sexual pleasure and then come together to create the best sexual experience you can have. Mm -hmm. So do you think that might be one of the biggest um, struggles that couples have with sex? Like what, what is your top, like, this is what couples lead to bad sex. Like what are some of those top things? You want to take this one? I think I think she wants to know what your men are saying. Oh, <laughs> well, either way, just like what what oh. do you guys see in your interactions with couples as being like the core problem with their sex? What's leading to that? I think it's the miscommunication. I think it's misunderstanding what your partner truly wants out of sex. I think it's this also uh, um, an idea of, you know, this idea of I need to make my partner orgasm every single time. We need to have sex and 
one of us or both of us need to finish. And I think teaching couples to remove that expectation, removing the idea of needing to orgasm every time you have sex, but creating other opportunities to have sex. So, you know, sex can look so different um, than just penetration. Um, and I think what you're talking about, just kind of jump in is, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of things you talk about is this idea of our sexual beliefs, right? That come from family of origin, that come mm -hmm. from how we were raised and what sex meant to us, depending on our religious backgrounds, all that stuff. We carry a lot of that into our marriages. And so yeah. oftentimes, yeah, when I start interacting with couples, you know, when we talk to couples, a lot of it is about deconstructing some of these sexual beliefs and getting really clear. Just because you're married, it doesn't mean that your spouse has to provide sex, mm -hmm. right? One of the biggest challenges that we get from couples is this idea that sex is something that your spouse gives to you. And what we always say is sex is something that we create together, right? Mm. And that doesn't mean intercourse. That doesn't mean it has to be in the bedroom. Kate and I create sexual energy all the time. You know, we laugh, but like we don't even have to be in the same room to create sexual energy. It could be when text messages, could be with little post-its yeah, around, yeah. right? It could be even Kate can create her own sexual energy by the way she dresses during the day, mm -hmm. right? So I think oftentimes it's about deconstructing some of these beliefs, which then are a barrier because there's an expectation of how sex should look. And if you don't fall into this rigid mold, our sex life is bad, right? And so right, for yeah. us, it's all about freedom. Pleasure connection is the top of your list. How can we freely move towards that no matter what it looks like for either yeah. of us. Yeah. And I, I try to teach the people who are reading my blog, instead of having sex for your spouse, have sex with them. Yeah. This yes, is like, this that. is a yeah. thing that we do together. And I, I think one thing that I have people write into me, I swear so many uh, men and women both write into me and the men really want the wives to have the same sexual experience that they have. And I think, mm -hmm. A, that's that's toxic because a wife has a much different sexual experience than a man. Yeah. She just does biologically. We mm -hmm. feel orgasms differently. We have more of them. They're back to back, you know, whatever. And the other thing is, is that a wives will often write into me and basically tell me, how do I get my husband to understand that I don't need to have an orgasm every time? Like, I'm just happy with the closeness. I swear they, their husbands don't get it. They're like, no, but you're not orgasming. And like, for them, that would be a letdown of his sexual experience. And they don't have any like ability to reframe that. So what do you, what do you tell a couple who is in those positions where either the one spouse says my, my spouse wants me to have this kind of experience and they're not like, what do you tell them? I think our biggest line is prioritize outer course instead of intercourse. So how can you connect outside the bedroom? How can you connect outside of the, you know, societal definition of sex? Um, how can you make that your own as a couple? Um, so how can you have sex that has nothing to do with, you know, penis and vagina and penetration, penetration yep. and all of those. And then the orgasm at the end. So, you know, if you look at sex, kind of like a ball diamond, right? Like there's first base, second base, third base. How can we get away from the idea of going through those bases in that motion every time mm -hmm. our sex is always, mm -hmm. you know, make out penetration, orgasm, the end, you know, sex can be so much more than that. So, if we're prioritizing outer course instead of intercourse, 
we're learning this whole new set of of uh, this whole new way of having sex together. Yeah, sorry, our dog's just barking. Do you want to let him out? I will so let him out. So we can just kind of edit this out. <laughs> I was gonna say, Thanks. is your puppy about to pee the floor? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. It's, it's gonna go tear up the neighborhood. I know. I think our other dog might be downstairs destroying the trash. We're not sure. Like he keeps disappearing. <laughs> oh yeah, we're we're in training phase. I forgot how much effort it took to train a puppy. Oh yeah, I was like, it's like we were having all super a excited. toddler or something. Hundred percent. It's terrible. Oh my god. Yeah, they goodness. keep you up all night. They pee everywhere. They chew everything. <laughs> yeah, it's very annoying. No. Yeah, I was we just saying it's like having the- a toddler, except that our our toddlers never destroyed a piece of furniture with their you know, teeth, teeth and right. claws. Yeah. yeah. My, to- my toddler didn't have teeth. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like having a, a newborn with, <clears throat> with a jaw of a piranha. Like oh. it's just, <laughs> yeah. right. exactly. I forgot to close the door. We're, we're going to have um, a separate spinoff podcast episode of us discussing Dealing what it is to dogs. be dog parents. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is it like the whole it. dog mom and dog dad movement? Yeah. You get, we've even for, had on one babies. of our episodes where we mentioned we had sex and the dog was like right beside our head. And that was like, not sexy. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, we have had the dogs do that too. And so I'm like, they, we have to push them out of the bedroom and like the, they can bump open our door right now. So we have to barricade yeah. it or they'll just come busting in the room. <laughs> yeah. We've had a dog hump his dog bed while we were doing it. Oh, oh yeah. no. That was oh, really we, awkward. We had a lot of dogs. Uh, that was really awkward. Like, that is on the very distinct. Just dog head <laughs> panting in my face, and I'm like, yeah, just okay, staring at you. Like, stop all this! Like, this like, is too much. This is not <laughs> dog life. <laughs> yeah, dogs. Dogs are like are like definitely blockers when it comes to sex. So I, I wanted to add we've... one more point. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, yeah, I. So what were we saying? You were sort of talking about, you know, what do we do when you know the prioritizing outer course, inner right. course, and yeah. then Eric wanted to add a point. I wanted to give a really active point. So, so I think it's also really important in these moments when we're challenged with these ideas to get curious. I think a lot of times we forget about it and we try to align our partner into a belief. Like, how do I get my husband to understand my belief, right? Mm-hmm. How do I get my partner to understand what I'm thinking? And I think more than anything, it's important to get curious, right? What does me having an orgasm during a sex life provide for you? Why is that so right. important to you, right? What is it about it that that means something to you? And then you can start to get curious and think about, are there other ways that I can create this, right? So even for us, when Kate and I started in our sex life, you know, what we start to really ask the question, what does sexual intercourse provide for each of us, right? Why is it important to you, Kate? Why is it important to me, Eric? And what we started to realize is that I was getting a lot of my physical connection from sexual intercourse, but that we could actually do different things that would make me feel just as loved and valued. So it really started to expand our idea of, hey, if this is what we're going for, if this is the idea of success, well, there's actually multiple different ways to get there Mm -hmm. other than just, hey, we have to go from A to B to C to get here and it's very linear. Instead, what is it exactly that you want to have happen, big picture? And what are all the different ways you can create that? And I think in order to do that, you have to get curious. You have to start to think about, what is it that it provides for you? What does it provides for me? What do we want? What do we imagine a best case scenario looks like? And that creates a whole different conversation about creation and opportunity, which I think is much more exciting. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, everything I'm hearing from you is that you're telling couples focus on intimacy and intimacy doesn't have to look one way or the other. It can look mm-hmm. the way that means the most to you as a couple. 
Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it doesn't have to be this or that. It can be this and that. Mm -hmm. So I can have yeah. a way that I view sex and that I want sex. And Eric can have a completely different way that he views sex and wants sex. And instead of saying, we're going to have sex Kate's way, or we're going to have sex Eric's way, it's we're putting both of those together and we're saying we're having sex Kate's way and we're having sex Eric's way. Yeah, so there's right. no, there's no, or there's only end. And I think when you start to think about that as a team, yeah. right, it, it becomes about how do we create this new opportunity together where we can both experience that pleasure? Mm -hmm. So it no longer becomes about how do I get you on board with my thinking or how do you get me on board with your thinking, which often feels like we're losing part of ourselves, right? Like, oh, I have to agree with you. And then if I, if I do that, I lose something. And because mm -hmm. we have this loss aversion, it really needs to become about how do we work together to create something totally different that works for you and works for me, mm -hmm. not that right. works for you or works for me. Yeah. And I think what's really, really something that I don't hear spoken about a lot is teaching couples to make their own decisions about sex and about intimacy. And it's just like when you read all the parenting books and they tell you how you're supposed to parent your kid and you're like, well, that's not working for me. I feel like so often sex advice or marriage advice is very similar. Well, this is what healthy sex looks like. Right. This is what healthy marriage looks like. Well, what mm -hmm. if healthy sex for you looks completely different? And I, other thing that I have readers write into me and I believe it or not, have a lot of aging readership. So they are in a part of their sex life that I don't, I can't even begin to understand right. what it's like to be 60 and 70 having sex, but I do. I'll have the older generations writing into me like, what can I tell you? Um, but I think that what they're experiencing is that sex looks so vastly different for them now than it did when they were younger. And for some of them, they've held out hope that when the kids moved out, that the sex life would improve. And that's not actually what happened. They're empty nesters now. And they're going, we were all promised like this land of glorious sex. <laughs> you know? right. So if you're, so how do you handle um, somebody who is like in that position where they're like, I thought when this thing resolved, the sex would be like this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think for us, when we think about sexuality, and you know, it's a big part of the reason why we call our brand Evolve Marriage, because we believe that it always evolves, exactly like we were talking about. You know, we don't like to talk about this a lot, but Kate and I's sex life is probably gonna look very differently when I have erectile dysfunction and right. things are all wrinkly and we need different, you know, menopause comes in and all that stuff. And so we understand that. And our sex life has to evolve. And what we've realized over time is that if we make the priority in our sex life pleasure and connection, right? Does this create pleasure for you? And does this create connection between us? If that's always the priority, we can never go wrong. So we're always moving towards that. And that's always the question, right? Hey, is, the, is what we're doing in our sex life right now, does it make you feel connected? No, not really. Well, what could we do differently? Are you receiving pleasure from us, you know, doing the stuff in the shower or even like this lube versus this lube or, you know, it's always about, <laughs> does this create pleasure and connection? If the answer is no to either of those, we rethink. And we right. move towards that as yeah. much as we can. Yeah. And I think that really keeps our North Star going. Right. And and same with us, you know, obviously we're so young and we can't um, really associate with 
you know, even like older people, just like you guys. But um, I think that I would answer that question the same way I would answer it for a mother who's just had a baby. Because as you're growing old, your body's changing just as it did after you had a baby. And as a woman, I know for me, it took me time you know, to, to love my body from when I was a child to becoming a teenager. So I was like, ew, what's happening to my body all through puberty. And then after that, I had to learn to love that new body into, you know, young adulthood, because again, your body changes. And so I had to learn to love that body. And then I had to learn to love my body growing into a woman and having pregnancy. I had to learn to love a giant baby bump and be sexy and feel sexy even with a baby bump and you know veins all over my breasts and whatever was happening with my body and then i needed to learn again to love the body that i had after baby so i think just as you continue growing especially for women but i know i'm sure it's the same for men you need to learn to love your body in all stages of life you need to learn to adapt to it in all stages of life because you know the the your body during pregnancy, the hormones are different. Everything is different. Things smell differently. Things look differently. And you have to learn to accept that. And then it's the same after you have a baby. Things feel different, look different, smell different. And then you got to keep going as you're growing. This is changing. And you, you know, I think it's just this constant need for you to learn to love yourself and accept yourself in the stage that you're in, but also learn to see your husband or your spouse in that light and be like, hey, they're also growing and their body is changing and their abilities to do things are different. And so they might be feeling a little self-conscious in this moment, but you know, it's okay. Like we'll, we'll get through this together just as we did after we had our first baby, just as we did after we had our second, third, fourth, whatever baby. And just as we are going to get through this as well, when our kids are left with us, like, Things are going to be different. We're going to look different. Maybe we haven't really seen each other in a long time. And now the kids are away. And I have this added pressure because now my husband's like, oh, the baby's out of my tummy. He's like, now I'm I'm, I'm supposed to lose all this weight and I'm supposed to get my pre-baby body back. And so it's probably the same pressure that you get when your babies leave the nest because well, your babies, your adult babies leave the nest. Your grown, your grown babies. Your grown babies leave the nest because now there's this pressure of like, well, now we're supposed to have good sex. Now we're supposed yeah. to, you know, have all this amazing sex. So I think as a couple getting curious and learning, how can we remove this pressure and just learn to love each other at this stage of our life and just learn to grow our intimacy now at this stage of life, not to expect like, oh, the kids are gone. And the next day we're going to have the wildest, most amazing sex we've ever had in our life. <laughs> like, let it happen gradually. Let it happen right. progressively and yeah. and be patient with each other. Yeah, and I don't know about you guys, but like when I think about sex, as long like for us, it's play for adults, right? With <laughs> it, which I think is really great yeah. Um, yeah. because I think sometimes we lose this this side of us where it's like, hey, how do we continue to have sex in a way that's playful? which removes a lot of pressure. You know, the analogy that, that Ken and I love to use is, you know, we think about entering into sexual energy, just like walking into a music store. And it's like, when you walk, the only thing you need to do is go into the music store. 
everything else is fair game. If you want to go over and bang on the drums, great. If you want to strum on the guitar, awesome. If you want to both get together and play Beethoven, Beethoven Beethoven's fifth on the piano, Beethoven's fifth <laughs> on the piano. <laughs> but, the, you know. Eric got very excited about Beethoven. Very excited. <laughs> very but I think the only, yeah, the only important thing is I am willing to take this journey with you of discovery. Yeah, and maybe um, you were used to playing this instrument for so long. You know, I, I played the banjo for years and now I need to change to a different instrument because the banjo is no longer working for me. Like, it's going to take me time to learn this new instrument. It's going to take me time to get used to it and get used to how loud it is. And, and you know, maybe it's not as loud and I'm going to have to get used to how soft it is. And so it's just walking into the store and being open to all possibilities and being open to just understanding that, like, my sex life can look any way I desire it to. I just need to be open and ready for that right. change. Yeah, I love that, you know, one thing that I, I love what you said about like it changing and, and being open and whatever, something I was telling another podcast episode I was on recently, I told them, I said, I think the reason why sex and marriage is so complex and complicated is that it kind of always forces us to stay on that journey together. And if sex was simple and easy and one, two, three, every single time and amazing for whatever, then what would be the journey? What would be the draw to continually uh, mm -hmm. reconnect and rekindle? It'd be very easy for us to stay complacent. And I think that just as, you know, your relationships are always going to change with, with your marriage, with your husband and your wife, you know, your sex life is going to change as well. And our bodies age, so it means we have to reevaluate. Um, our hormones go crazy. We have to reevaluate different phase of life, you know, whatever that looks like. And in, in unfortunately, in illness and all of these things, it's very easy to look at those things as discouraging. Like, well, we can't have what we used to have, but instead maybe look at the hope of what do we get to have now exactly. instead of you know, we can be sit back and think about the joy of how we used to have sex in our twenties, but now what does sex in our forties look like? How freeing may it be in our fifties and, yeah. you know, whatever. Um, so yeah. I really love that. <laughs> well, yeah. And I think there's also this idea, this like societal idea, like, oh, you know, once you're married, sex life dies. Like, right, you know, yeah. and I remember us getting married and at my like, you know, shower, my wedding shower, or like, I remember people saying like, <laughs> don't expect to be having sex forever. Like sucks for you, you're getting married. That means no more sex, ha ha ha. And yeah. I'm thinking like, you know what? Like, and back then I believed it. Back then I was like, you know, when we weren't having sex, when things were kind of like rough, I would talk to some friends and they would say, oh, pff, it's normal. Oh my gosh. It is what like, it is. You're lucky if you're having sex once a month, like that's normal for marriages. Like sex dies. You don't want to have sex with them anymore. You've been having sex with the same guy for years. This is supposed to happen. And it's like you said, like, no, this isn't supposed to happen. No. It, yeah, right. it can happen if you let it die. Right. That's that it can be quite normal that it dies because you're not right. putting any time and attention into it. But if you put time and attention into it and if you see it as like instead of looking back at how it used to be all the time and oh, it used to be so much hotter when we didn't have kids, it used to be so much hotter when we didn't have all this stress. It used to be hotter when, you know, my body looked different. Um, now you can look at it as like possibilities. Where can we go? Yeah. And I think one kind of last big thing that I that I think we can't miss here is as we're talking about this, it's very much like, oh, just do this. And, it, and we're talking about it like it's super simple, but this takes courage. 
right? Mm -hmm. The reality is, is it takes a yeah. lot of courage to go to your partner and have a conversation about, hey, the sex we're having is not actually giving me a lot of pleasure and I want to do something different. Because the reality is, is a lot of us believe that bringing that to our spouse could create conflict, right? It could really trigger things inside us. And I don't want to discount that. Like when we enter into these conversations, these are challenging conversations. They take time to navigate. They take a level head. And it's really hard to get yourself to a healthy place where you can bid for that connection and say, I want to evolve our sex life. Yeah. And your partner might be like, it's working for me. I don't want to. And then it's like, well, now right. we have to actually enter into this new conversation about creating something different. And so I really want, you know, I don't want to discourage this idea. It takes a lot of courage to do this. This is not easy, but it's so worth it. It's Definitely, so important yeah. if we want to continue to evolve. Yeah, I love that. Well, guys, thank you so much for coming on our podcast. Before we yeah. get off of here, I want people to know how to follow you and, you know, how do they connect with you guys? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, everything we do is on our website at evolvemarriage.com. Uh, we are most active on Instagram. Uh, we're starting to build our following there. So if you guys want to awesome. jump on and follow us, yeah, we're at, at evolved underscore marriage. Uh, and Kate and I also run free trainings at the end of every month uh, that we invite people to. So you can sign up to get on our email list to jump onto those trainings. Uh, it's just a great way to sit down together and get some real insight and then really have access to us live where we can answer questions. Um, so all that is done through our website and following us on Instagram. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And we can't wait to um, see you guys on Instagram. I'm not sure if I'm following you, but I'm going to do it right now. Awesome. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely. It's been an absolute pleasure. We loved chatting with you guys and we had so much fun. Yes. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you.